Hey, everybody, and welcome back in to Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me. And Jimmy Stein, well, that's usually him. But today, I've got a bit of a substitute in Mr. Uh, Zach Blackerby from Locked On Auburn. Happy to have you, Zach. How are you doing today? Man, I am happy to hang out with you. And thank you uh, also for coming on, on Locked On Auburn. So we got to be civil. We got to be civil. I know, uh, I know our audiences may not like, uh, or your audience may not like me a whole lot. So we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see how our conversation goes, man. You know, I'm, I'm with you, and I think we can be civil. I'm also part of another sports program in Alexander City called Sports Blitz, and most of those guys are big Auburn guys. And um, so I've, I've learned to live in harmony with Auburn fans for the most part. So I think we can pull this off. Well, it's kind of interesting, right? I mean, I think over the last few years, really since Malzahn has gone to Auburn, and, you know, they've kind of gone back and forth. You know, he's really the only guy that's given Saban any kind of consistent issue in, in, in the conference. It's kind of interesting how both, both programs have kind of taken their respective roles in the, in the fan bases have kind of followed suit. Have you seen that? I mean, that's kind of what it feels like from, a, from an Auburn perspective. I totally agree. In fact, um, there's another sports show that I listen to out of the Auburn area sometimes called Sports Call. And they love to point out that, that, that what you just pointed out, that Gus Malzahn can be, to the extent Nick Saban has a bugaboo, Gus Malzahn is probably it. I mean, it's not like it's 50-50, but I mean, it's if with Nick Saban, if you're winning, you know, 30, 35% of the time, you're doing a hell of a job. And that's exactly about what Gus Malzahn is doing. Um, and I think that is Gus Malzahn's saving grace. If, if let's say, for instance, last year, Tua Tungvaluwa and, and Dylan Moses aren't hurt and they play in the Iron Bowl, I, I feel like Alabama probably would have won that game. And had Alabama won that game, I would be willing to bet Gus Malzahn, if not already fired, he would be on a scorching hot seat. Um, but as Things tend to happen in Jordan-Hare. Alabama hits an upright. Uh, there's a, a butt interception return for a touchdown <laughs> on the goal line. There's you know, there, yards, there's just yeah. a boot, uh, 100 yards. There's, a, there's so much voodoo that goes on there that is hard to wrap your hands around. And I think that that, is, that also describes Gus Malzahn's coaching tenure at Auburn. It is tough to put your arms around this thing and realize, okay, this is what this guy does. The most um, consistent thing Malzahn does, obviously you got to take out year one, but is he, he's going to lose four or five games a year. That tends to be what he does. He's lost four games every year since he's been at Auburn except year one, uh, which was an amazing year. One of the most incredible years I've ever seen as a college football fan, considering yeah, where wild. he came from in 2012. Sure. Sure. So, yeah. I mean, I mean what it, it's just, what? it's just interesting though, with like, you know, this is really, you mentioned the iron bowl win last year and, you know, of course, Auburn fans don't care how it happens. I mean, I think that was one of the most entertaining games I've ever watched, uh, you know, just with the, the constant back and forth and the explosion of offense. And then the, you know, the, the two pick sixes from the Auburn perspective. I mean, that was just, I mean, that game had everything. It had controversy. It had, you know, I mean, it, it, it had everything. And this is really, I, I was actually talking about this, Late last week with uh, Painter Sharples of ESPN 1067, who comes on the show a, a decent amount. But like, this is the first offseason in years, in years, or outside of after the 2017 season when Auburn uh, won the SEC West. But it, it's, it's like, oh, there's no talk about Gus Malzahn's buyout. 
which is, you know, you, it, you, that's just kind of part of Auburn offseason sports talk. And you haven't had that that much this uh, this offseason. And I think winning that Iron Bowl, like you said, man, I think that that's a really, really big part of it. And and you're right. Auburn fans should not care how they win it. It's all about just getting that W. I understand that completely. Um, and, and you're right about the other things that happened. I mean, not to mention the the one second being put back on the clock again in Jordan-Hare Stadium and biting Alabama in the butt again. Um, i, I got to ask you really quickly about that um, because me as a college football fan, I'm fine whenever somebody takes advantage of a loophole. I get it. But yeah. when I think common sense tells me that if you review a play and there's only one and you say, okay, let's put a second back on, but we also have to take into account that if that second goes back on, the play, the clock would have started and and, and obviously Auburn wouldn't have enough time to get set up. I think that's what my huge problem was with that is the the review really hurt Alabama so much right there um, that and look give give Carlson the credit for nailing the field goal too um, sure right but I think that's one reason they're gonna they've changed that rule is they found a loophole and they closed it and I think that um, that's nobody says the game doesn't count because of that. And frankly, it happened at the end of the first half. It didn't happen at the end of the game. Alabama had a whole uh, another half to make up for that. And they didn't do it. Gosh. Um, I just yeah, feel can you like imagine that, if that they was did. a rule well, that I mean, change. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine if that did happen at the end? I mean, that would have been, um, that would have been even more wild than, I mean, that, that would have been up there with, you know, the, the kick six, as far as, you know, just the craziness of the iron bowl. And then at Jordan Hare, the one second thing, you know, that, that the fan base is kind of referred to all the time. I mean, yeah, that would have been, that would have been crazy, but yeah, I, I remember watching the game when that happened and while they're talking about it. And I think even the TV broadcast was just kind of like, can they do that? Can they do? Cause it's, it, yeah. Cause it, the clock has to tick down for, you know, the, the play to start. But yeah, I remember thinking the same thing when it happened and I was, you know, it went to halftime. And I just remember like kind of looking at everything happening. I'm like, huh. All right, I guess they're going to let that stay on there. So, I mean, it surprised me. I didn't realize that was the way that that rule worked. And so, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with you uh, in regards to did that need to be changed. But also, like, how often does that happen? You know what I mean? Like, just, it's just yeah. kind of a, a crazy, fluky situation because normally they, um, you know, they, w- they wouldn't review that because it wouldn't need to be reviewed. You know, clock would have ran out or, or whatever. But, yeah, very, very odd circumstance. And, uh, yeah, I'm all for loopholes. Uh, I'm all for, you know, finding, you know, ways to put yourself in situations to win. Um, but, you know, th- this came up last week on the show, and I know Auburn Twitter kind of was all over it because one of the Alabama blogs, the y'all's SB Nation blog, put a story out about, um, about you know, just essentially just talking about the Iron Bowl and how, like, Auburn lucked into two loopholes and kind of accidentally won the Iron Bowl. Um, a lot of a lot of Alabama fans defended it. Where do you stand on that? I mean, do you think the stuff was intentional, or do you think it's just like, oh, okay, this kind of fell into uh, fell into Auburn's lap? Well, look, I don't think it fell into Auburn's lap. It's all part of the game. Um, and I, yeah. again, I will say this: I've never been to a stadium, and I've been to Auburn multiple times for Iron Bowls and other games, but I've never been to a stadium that has. Uh, such voodoo about it and such unexplainable events. I mean, I don't know if Auburn 
is built on an Indian burial ground, and, and that's the true <laughs> uh, Area 51. I, I don't know, but it's, yeah. it's hard to explain the things that happen there. And I think a lot of credit should go to Auburn as a university and as a fan base for that, because the fans do make that happen. Um, as I'll take my crimson colored glasses off here for a minute and say that Auburn's fan base is maybe the boy. I think most unique is is kind of redundant, but is one of the most unique fan bases in the country. Um, the way that they gather the, their resources and their and their men and their women and their horses and everything together, and and they all seem to really buy into that family atmosphere. Now sometimes it can look more like a cult than a family, but I will say this, I don't know of another fan base that, you know, is ride or die together as much as Auburn is. And I think that's kind of how the, the team feeds off that as much as anywhere else in the country. So when you say that, okay, did, did something lucky happen in Auburn's lap? Did, did they take advantage of a loophole? Yeah, I mean, they probably did. At the same time, I mean, luck is a part of everything in life. And, you know, it was very lucky for Alabama that Nick Saban was getting tired of coaching the Miami Dolphins and was itching to come back into college. At the exact same time, Alabama was having a, a crisis of conscience about what to do with Mike Shula. And once Nick Saban became available, it wasn't a crisis anymore. It was a how fast can we get Mike, rid, rid of Mike Shula. If, if Nick Saban had waited one more year, um, who knows, maybe Alabama would have Rich Rodriguez and maybe Georgia or – Tennessee or somebody else would have Nick Saban or the University of Miami. And all of a sudden, those teams, those programs are having that kind of success. So I think that um, instead of saying it's all luck, it wasn't all luck. Uh, I mean, yeah, it, Auburn got a fortuitous bounce when because Najee Harris has a very uh, prolific backside. I mean, if, if that ball had bounced off my butt, it would have fallen straight to the ground because I don't have one. But if it bounces <laughs> off Najee Harris's, you know, it bounces in the air and it's able to be uh, intercepted by Zacoby McLean. So, well, I think what, what about the Luke? What about the the play that ended the game, where you know the the twelve the twelfth man on the field? I mean, surely you don't think that was luck. I mean, it was pretty clear that was by design. I think that was by design to an extent. I do think also they changed the rule this year because again, it was another one of those loopholes. Do I think Gus Malzahn knew going in this is hey I'm going to run this play? No, I think it was. It was just a very fortuitous thing, and I think they changed the rule to say, look, with all these substitution things going on, you got to allow somebody to get off the, the field. And Jalen Waddle was running off the field when they threw the flag, and they had not snapped the ball. So I think, um, yeah, it was a little cheeky to end the game on, on that in that regard. But frankly, as an Alabama fan, I'll say this. That game, the way Alabama's year went last year with Tua getting hurt twice, with, I mean, two, our two best inside linebackers getting hurt before the season started. Um, the way all that went down, if Alabama had gotten the ball back, we would have thrown another pick six. I mean, there were, we would have doinked another field goal. I mean, there was no – we weren't winning that game. So, um, I, I, I've learned to accept that, and that's how I get through the day. Sure. I mean, as far as the current state of the Iron Bowl, I mean, I know there's been some classic games throughout, you know, these, these two teams' histories when they've played at the end of the year. But I think the current state of that, the rivalry is the best it's ever been. And I mean, the era of, you know, I, I think starting really in, in, you know, the late 2000s, and then, you know, you get 2010 with, with Cam to make it competitive. And, you know, 
Uh, I mean, I, it, I know it seems like every time Auburn wins, with the exception of 17, it's in dramatic fashion. But I think the current state of the Iron Bowl is, is, is the best it's been in its history. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. I don't think there's any doubt. Uh, it is a lot more fun to watch. I mean, the Iron Bowl is much watch TV for the country. And there had been times no when it hadn't been, even, even in 2012 when Alabama was up 42 to nothing at the half. And this is me being a, you know, born and bred Alabama fan in the middle of Tiger country. I was looking at my brother who was with the, at the game with me and I said, hey, I'm, you know, I just I always worry about Auburn doing something. He said, you're out of your mind. I said, man, I've just, I've seen this too many times. He said, it's 42 to nothing and they can't move the ball. And I said, I know, but I'm still nervous. And, and it's, it's unreasonable and illogical to feel that way. But that's, that's kind of what this rivalry has done to me. And um, i got to say, I enjoy it. It's, you know, it's not like that. Some people love to talk about Alabama, Tennessee, and, you know, it's more important to them. First of all, I call total BS on those people. It's not more important. Yeah, I want to beat Tennessee because they're on my schedule. But, um, and I love ten beating Tennessee a little bit more because of the Phil Fulmer factor. But, Okay. It's not Alabama-Auburn. It's just not. And, um, yeah, I think the rivalry is as good as it's ever been. And, it, and look, because Alabama has changed personalities with, with Tua and, and throwing the ball around all over the place, uh, and because right. Auburn has been so exciting. I mean, even Auburn's losses to anybody, or even their wins. I mean, you think about Ole Miss with Laquan Treadwell breaking his leg at the goal line. You think about the Georgia, Wild. the prayer at Jordan-Hare. Uh, you think mm -hmm. about the even the A&M game where Auburn fumbled twice. They they basically dominated the whole game, fumbled twice, also had a field right. goal block for a touchdown. Um, I mean, I can name Auburn's wins and losses the way I can name Alabama's wins and losses because all, watching Auburn play football is is drama. It doesn't matter if you love them or hate them. And, I, you know, you mentioned, you know, how close the fan base is. Uh, I think that's why. <laughs> Auburn fans go through all these crazy, you know, heartbreaking situations or, you know, super triumphant situations uh, together. And it seems like it happens like four times a season where it's like, I feel like this would only happen, would only happen at Auburn. Hey, Luke, I know this is uh this is big recruiting time, um, especially during, you know, COVID and this weird off season where the only sports news in college that we're really having is, is recruiting and, you know, all these virtual visits that are happening and, I mean, what, 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 what is your perspective on the state of recruits in the state of Alabama? I know Auburn fans are they're getting, a little, um, getting a little upset because it's been several weeks now without a, a commitment, and they look you know, a few hours north in Tuscaloosa, and there's, there's all kinds of guys committing to Alabama. I mean, what are your thoughts on the general state of recruiting throughout uh, both schools in the state of Alabama? The the recruitnik in me, the national recruitnik in me, would tell Auburn fans to calm down because these things come in cycles, even in a recruiting year. Yeah. Meaning, uh, you know, two months ago, everybody was losing their minds about how good Tennessee's class was, right? Everybody, oh, my God, Tennessee's – but, you see, you can only take so many guys, and Tennessee's got, what, 23 commitments? So they, mm -hmm. they topped out early. And right, they're done. So yeah. now Alabama – and Alabama typically – uh, they love to see guys in camp. And so I think Nick Saban and, and company were waiting to see some guys in camp. Well, you can't have a pandemic. So
so Nick Saban started letting some guys pull the trigger. You know, he started looking into tape more and letting some guys pull the trigger. And so all of a sudden, Alabama had one of the best Julys I remember. And and Alabama's moved up to the number two class, and they're also uh, should be getting commitment now. Several crystal balls are coming in from a kid named Monkel Goodwine, who is a fantastic defensive lineman, and um, you know that's going to bump them up even more. Well, Auburn had a nice. Uh, I don't know. If, I think it was May versus June, or maybe May June. Uh, they had a nice little run in there of some guys, and then they missed on a few. They missed on a guy that I know that went to Miami, that uh, came down to Auburn in Miami. Um, but you know, Miami's Engines, having a good run yeah. right now. Yeah, right. Miami's having a little bit of a good run, and I think that uh, you know, yes, yeah, some Auburn fans look look all, all down the state of Alabama list, and they see Jeremiah Williams and. There's a lot of scuttlebutt that maybe he's going to be headed to Florida. Um, that could happen. But, I, you know, frankly, when it comes to something like that in the state of Alabama, if you're choosing between uh, Auburn or Alabama and then some other school out of state, I always think they're going to end up at the in-state school in the end. Now, Dylan Brooks, maybe he sticks with his Tennessee commitment. I don't think so. I think he ends up in Auburn, too. Um, but I would say right now, I think Jeremiah Williams is at Auburn. Uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry, I, personally, I think he goes to Alabama because his bread's going to be buttered um, as a defensive back in the National Football League uh, versus mm-hmm. the – I know he's got a love for basketball. But Auburn could get him too. And all of a sudden, Auburn's got, what, five or six of the top seven or eight guys in the state of Alabama. So, I mean, I think things are going to change. I know right now you're looking across the state and Alabama's really loading up. But – I don't think Auburn needs to compare themselves to Alabama, Clemson, Ole Miss, I mean, excuse me, Ohio State or Georgia, because mm-hmm. I don't think any program should do that. Those four are recruiting at a level that we've never seen consistently. Like every night again, somebody right. will have a class like these guys have had. But, I mean, those four programs are recruiting at a level that every is year. Yeah. Cra- crazy. And um, so don't compare yourself to them. Compare, you know, try and get who you want. I mean, Tommy Turberville made a living off getting uh, the Reggie Torbors of the world. And uh, right. and, and it, there's no time like right now where evaluation of a player versus um, versus just seeing, you know, the measurables is important because nobody can see these guys up close and personal. And some of these guys that you're recruiting, they're not going to have a high school season. And they may not be able to take a visit to your campus. And I think that's hurting Auburn a lot because Auburn is a beautiful campus and um, yeah. it's a close knit atmosphere. And I think when some kids go there, they, you know, they get hooked on it and um, they have not been able to have that opportunity. So yeah, the, the, this pandemic is affecting Auburn probably more than the, than the norm um, because they, their selling point is, Hey, we're a small university at, that, that does big things and we have a family atmosphere and we love you here. And, and come join us. Well, when people can't get there and feel that, it takes away from it. That's a good point. I mean, you know, you hear the coaching staff say all the time, like, you know, Auburn sells itself. Well, you need to get to Auburn for it to sell itself. I hadn't really thought about that aspect of it, but that makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah, and again, Auburn's only got 10 commitments right now. They're going to end up taking 24, 25 commitments. So you got sure. 15 guys to go. And um, there are a lot of big names still out there. You talk about Amarius Mims. Um, I know you said you're not a huge recruiting guy, but Amarius Mims is is an absolute Sasquatch. I mean, he's just a huge yeah, human being. And right. 
he 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 just pushed his commitment back uh, to sometime in October. Uh, Alabama's on his list. Auburn's on his list. Georgia's on his list. I mean, I, what do you, what do you think pushing that list. back means? I think pushing that back probably is better for Georgia. Um, okay. I think, I, frankly, I think anything he does is better for Georgia. <laughs> Georgia cannot lose okay. this guy. I mean, I just don't. Georgia cannot lose it. I mean, look, Kirby Smart has had some swing and misses here this class. They missed on James Williams, who ended up going to Miami. Um, and they missed on a couple of guys that uh, – uh, Terrence Ferguson that was that everybody thought was headed there from Georgia, and he ends up committing to Alabama. Um, right. Yeah, they're, they're missing on some guys right now. They cannot miss him. They can miss on some other dudes. Amarius Mims is an absolute must-get for Georgia, and I think they'll make that happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, frankly, if you if he's just going based on depth chart, I mean, you may want to look at Auburn. Um, but if you're also talking about development and you know things like that. Here, let me let's give you another example because we're talking about Alabama and Auburn things here. Alabama got a commitment uh, or two commitments from the Brockemeyer twins, right? And their dad played at Texas. Right. They are they are from uh, the state of Texas. They grew up, you know, hook 'em horns, all that stuff. Well. If you look at, put all that aside for a second and think about it from a business decision. Do you want to go to a school in Texas that has put one offensive lineman, that has had one offensive lineman drafted, I think, the last decade, or go to a school where Nick Saban, I think, has had seven first-round offensive linemen and maybe Mm -hmm. three or four um, second-round offensive linemen and, like, 15 offensive linemen drafted all told in his – 12 years or whatever. I, I mean, right. it's a no-brainer. And um, as much as he may love Texas, I think you got to say, look, the world's a smaller place now. 20 years ago, he would have easily gone to Texas. But now, sure. I mean, you can go anywhere you want to. And so um, I think that's what, uh, you know, that's what Auburn should be selling to Amarius Mims, too, is, um, hey, look, uh, you can go anywhere. You don't have to go to Georgia. But and I'm sure that's what they're trying to do. But in the end, I think Amarius Mims is going to Georgia. Um, so let me turn it on you just a second here. And what do you think about Auburn's recruiting? I know you said you're not huge into it. Um, but, you know, what do you sense? Forget what the rest of the fan base is sensing. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 love, I love Demetrius Davis. I think that kid is a stud. You know, a, a lot of folks – got really upset when the, the new rankings for 247 dropped and he dropped like 80 spots or whatever but the more I watch Demetrius Davis the more I'm like this guy is an absolute stud and I can just picture him in Malzahn's offense you know Auburn fans have been dying for Auburn to go back to that mobile quarterback that you saw be so successful with with obviously Cam and then with Nick Marshall in 2013 and 2014 and this guy seems to be able to do that and there's a lot of questions about his arms and when you look at his highlights you know obviously all the throws are around the money and he's got some really talented guys going up to get the football, but I love Demetrius Davis and I love that guys want to play with him. And so like right when, uh, right when Auburn got his commitment or got him to, to flip, uh, that was, uh, that was obviously a big deal. And then a lot of other guys followed him. Also, I love that Auburn is putting an emphasis on recruiting the tight end. You've seen it more uh, in previous classes than you have in this one, but they're, uh, they're still trying to get a few guys just to kind of be uh, you know, the icing on the cake if you will, but I think that's great. I also have been really surprised how much of an emphasis Chad Morris has had 
in getting Texas. I know you mentioned the Brockermeyer uh, twins going to Alabama, but I mean, a, a big chunk of Auburn's class is from Texas. And I think that is something that Auburn would not have been able to do without having Chad Morris on staff. Uh, I, I think I underrated him on that front um, a little bit, but uh, and then the other thing is Malzahn ever since he's been at Auburn has been really bad at getting tackles to sign with him. I mean, even three or four star guys, it's like they get second or third <laughs> with every tackle recruit in like the last four years. It's been crazy. It's like, you can't get one of them and they've got a few this year. Um, and, and I think that is a, that's an improvement and I'm, I'm sure they're able to pitch, you know, playing time and, and all of that, you know, the, Maybe it helps that they had two. They're both their tackles drafted, uh, you know, most recently in the draft, both by the Eagles. I, I wonder how much of an impact that has to do. But then bringing in Jack Bicknell Jr. to be the offensive line coach, it seems like that's kind of changed a little bit of of what they're looking for with just getting these bigger guys. So those are things that have stood out to me on the recruiting trail. But the biggest thing, and it always starts at quarterback. I mean, you guys at Alabama saw that most recently with. I mean, you, Tua steps on the field. I mean, the offense changes. And I think that's going to happen with uh, with uh, with Davis. I, I just think he's a really, really, really big deal. All right, let, let's do this to one another here. If you okay. could take one play one player off of Alabama's roster and put him on Auburn's roster, who would that be? And then I'll give you my answer for vice versa. Uh, Waddle, and it's not even close. Yeah, that's easy, isn't it? <laughs> I think so. He's incredible. I mean, just, just watching him firsthand at the Iron Bowl last year, and, I mean, it's just like, dang, you know, everybody's talking about how Alabama's got two first-round draft picks in last year's draft, and then it's like, well, they actually have uh, – they've got more guys coming. Um, yeah, Waddle, I mean, it's just like no matter what you do, he's going to find space. So, yeah, Waddle is my answer. What about you? You know, I hate to do this, but I'm going to say Seth Williams. I hate to just pick the same position – but the reason I say sure. Seth Williams is I got – as part of the AHSA radio network, I got to see him play basketball too, and I knew what kind of athlete he was. Um, and he's not a burner. He's not – I mean, he's a leaper, but he's not like just crazy hops. But he's yeah. just such a good athlete, and he, he makes the catch in traffic. He feels like a, a Frank Sanders type, maybe a more athletic Frank Sanders uh, type mm-hmm. of receiver. and. That's what I'm worried about Alabama missing this year. Henry Ruggs could catch anything, anywhere, and he was a burner. But uh, right. and, and a leaper. I mean, Henry, Henry Ruggs is a freak. And Jalen Waddle is, is an absolute burner and just dynamic. And Devontae Smith is uh, just a prototypical receiver. But what, I, what I'm worried about is having that guy that will just make a catch anywhere, anytime. Like you, you throw it up and you know he's going to get it now. He might not get a lot of yards after catch or whatever, but I feel like Seth Williams is the kind of guy that, that wants the ball more than the defensive back. And that's, um, that's a trait that you, you love to have for a guy. Uh, that's why he's the kind of guy that wins you the Oregon game. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Luke, I've got one more question for you, if you don't mind. Uh, if you give me sure. the Alabama perspective, the Alabama viewpoint on kind of what Auburn has been able to do and the success they've been able to have, um, on the basketball aspect of things. Well, I got to say, I'm, I also write for the local paper in Ellick City, and several years ago, I wrote before Alabama or Auburn was even looking for a head coach. I said, Alabama or Auburn needs to make a move on Bruce Pearl, one of them. And I mm-hmm. said, yeah, 
He's got some baggage. Yeah, he's got a rip. All those things. But, you know, Alabama and Auburn are in no position to be holier than thou when it comes to basketball. And I think if one of them wants to make a move, one of them needs to do this. Well, Auburn made the move and Alabama didn't. Um, I feel quite certain if, if Alabama had made a move, you know, if first Alabama would have, would have hired him and he would have gone there. But Auburn got him. And I think that uh, he's done exactly what I thought he would do. He, he's taken some chances with some sketchy guys at first and it, and it looked like it may or may not pay off. I mean, you wondered when he was going to lift off. But when he started getting his guys in there that he likes, that, you know, he could evaluate from early on, um, man, you know, he just – he's just a good coach. And he's uh, yeah. he's personable. He's fun. He's the opposite of any coach Auburn's ever had in basketball practically, um, maybe with the exception of Sonny Smith. But uh, – and what I do appreciate it, while I hate that Auburn is having so much success with him, what I do appreciate is, just like Nick Saban in football made Auburn step its game up, this has made Alabama step its game up. And I'm really excited about what Nate Oates is doing. So, in a way, I've got to um, appreciate Bruce Pearl, uh, his coming to Auburn and having so much success, because I think it's made Alabama pick itself up off the, off the court, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no question. No question. But he is, I'll tell you, man, and I've met him a couple of times, and, you know, by nature, as an Alabama fan, you don't want to like him, but I like him. And I think he's that, easy um, to like, man. He's, he's easy to like. He's, I think he's, he's, this is true. You know, a lot of times you see guys with this much energy, and then when they go home, you can tell, like, they're so depleted of energy because they put so much effort into this persona in public. Right. Um, but right. I think that's how he is all the time. I think he's just a fired <laughs> up dude all the time. Yeah. And, absolutely, um, man. Well, Zach, man, I've I've enjoyed this. It's an absolute blast. Let's do it some more. I mean, a lot of Alabama and Auburn back and forth stuff, and uh, glad we kept it civil. And like I said, I'm I'm I have no qualms in saying I'm jealous of your basketball program right now. Well, Luke, I appreciate you, man. And of course, if you're uh, listening to Locked On Auburn, you can listen to Luke Robinson on Locked On Bama every single day. And, yeah, absolutely, man. Let's do it again soon.